Good morning, Southview. We are so excited that you are worshiping with us this morning. Here are your big three announcements for the week. If you're interested in joining Southview and becoming a part of our family, we would love for you to join the membership class. They will begin next Sunday, April 16th, and run the 23rd and the 30th during the 930 service. We would love to have you join. If you would, please text the word MEMBER to our number, 910 424-1298. Also coming up is one of my favorite Sundays, Baptism Sunday. If you have accepted Jesus as your Savior but have never been baptized, we would love to give you this opportunity to make your profession of faith public. Please text the word BAPTISM to 910-424-1298. Those will take place on Sunday, May 21st during both services. 
And hey parents, if you have never dedicated your child to the Lord, we would love to give you that opportunity on Mother's Day, Sunday, May 14th. If you will just simply text the word CHILD to our number 910-424-1298. And we encourage you to download the Southview Baptist Church app if you have not already done that. You can find it on iTunes or Google Play. This will allow you to see all the other announcements, download sermons, get involved in a journey group, or sign up for events. You can also access today's sermon notes, so download it today. And hey, there's multiple ways for you to give here at Southview. You can either give online through the app or you can give in the giving boxes located directly on either side of the sanctuary. And if you're a guest visiting with us today at Southview, that is not by accident. The Lord brought you here today. We would love the opportunity to begin to connect with you. If you would, please text the word CONNECT to 910-424-1298. That way we can just know who you are, begin to pray for you, and see if there's any specific ways that we can minister to you. It's a great morning to be in the house of the Lord. Why don't we stand up and worship God together? Amen. Yes, yes and amen. You guys can stand. Let's follow the direction. Stand and let's worship God. I'm so excited to be here with you, whether you're joining us in person or uh, via live stream online. It's a good day to be in God's house. We're going to do something a little bit different today. Um, we're going to just have, obviously, just you, me, this guitar, and our voices. And the only thing that we really, really need to praise the Lord are hearts turned back to Him. And so as we sing, I want to encourage you on a couple of things. The first is just to be mindful of the magnificence of Christ and who we sing about. And the second thing is, imagine as you, as you hear your brothers and sisters sing, I want you to imagine that um, when we get to heaven, magnified by 10 zillion, right? 10 quintillion, how, how awesome and wonderful that's going to be. So again, I encourage you to just lift our voices, put everything else aside, and let's praise him. Let's sing of his amazing grace today. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Yes. Who shakes thy whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breath? Son and daughter, the King of glory, the King of 
chapter 10, beginning of verse 22, the author says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He goes on and says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Isn't that amazing, church? That we have blessed assurance through Christ Jesus, our Lord, his work on the cross. And whether you've been walking with him for 30 years or 40 years, or whether this is the first time that you are, are, are getting ready to hear the gospel, you know, he is sufficient. And if you belong to him, nothing, nothing, nothing can tear you away. Nothing can tear you away from him. You have that blessed assurance, that everlasting hope, not in our works, not in our abilities, not in anything that we bring to the table, except for the fact the personhood of Christ Jesus saves. Let's glorify him in that today, church. Give him a round of applause. Come on, let's praise him. Yes, yes. Let's sing that blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a
for these truths. Amen. You may be seated.
giant rides Catch the demons by surprise Holy nation sanctified Let this be our battle cry Ready yourselves Ready yourselves Let us shine the light of Jesus in Good morning, everyone. How are we? All right. I'm glad both of you are good. So, for those of you who are new today, welcome. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's great to have you worshiping with us today. Um, if you have a Bible, you can find Matthew chapter 28. We'll get there in just a moment. So, uh, the slideshow there was about a trip that... Um, uh, Myself and my wife, Marie, and John and Jenna Crownhart had a chance to be a part of uh, about a month or so ago. So um, let me give you the quick backstory on that. I got a friend of mine 
that works for a ministry called IBAC. Uh, in Spanish, it stands for Bible Institute of Central America. Uh, and uh, basically what they do is their, their uh, thought process is the kingdom of God is advanced most by spiritually healthy, biblically strong churches. And spiritually healthy, biblically strong churches are led by spiritually healthy, biblically strong pastors and leaders. So let's go in to parts of Central and South America that do not have access or opportunity or the resources for Bible education. Let's go there and bring Bible education to them, to those pastors. And so currently IBAC has 40 different institutes spread out over 12 different countries in Central and South America. So my friend called me up. He's sort of like a drug dealer. First one's for free. Um, he said, hey, here's what we'll do. Um, I'll pay for you, your wife, and the military couple um, uh, in, your, in your family, in, in your, in your uh, church, to uh, come to Bolivia, to Cochabamba, Bolivia, do some teaching for us um, as we go in for an institute um, to, to teach these pastors, do some teaching for us, and uh, see if you can grab a heart for this ministry. And if so, we'll see where that goes with you and your church. So for myself and my wife Marie and John and Jen Crownhart, we went down to Cochabamba, Bolivia. Uh, I'd never heard of Cochabamba, Bolivia before this time. Evidently, it's a big city, um, several million people, uh, and uh, one of the largest cities there in Bolivia. And so we went down, and we uh, spent a week training pastors, a little over 100 pastors and church leaders. Uh, we trained, uh, did a lot of teaching, uh, preached in churches, right, the whole deal. And we were able to go down there just to see God do an amazing, amazing work. And so uh, as we did that, uh, he sort of uh, threw out the bait. He's like, all right, look, if, if you see the vision here, and, and I really do. I just get the idea behind it. Again, just the kingdom of God is advanced through the church. The church is God's plan A, right? This is the church, us, and the church global. This is God's uh, plan A for advancing his kingdom through the ends of the earth. And so we want to see churches strong and healthy around the world. So we want to go in and train up those pastors. So said, if you get the vision for this, maybe we can talk about your congregation uh, adopting a city in Central or South America. And we, Southview Baptist Church, taking the lead, front of the line, going in. And we take the responsibility of seeing the pastors in that city trained up in the gospel and trained up in the word of God so that they can teach their people and lead their churches well. So we're able to do that. It's just an amazing time. We loved it. Second thing that we did also was there's a ministry there in Cochabamba. They call it the Brickyard um, because it meets in a, in a brickyard. And so it's where they make bricks, right? And so in Cochabamba, it's a large city, like any large city. There are very wealthy parts of town, and there are very, very poor parts of town. And we learned that um, uh, America poor and Bolivia poor aren't the same thing. Uh, and so went to parts of Cochabamba uh, there uh, with the Brickyard Ministry. Very poor, um, very uh, just broken. Uh, a lot of drug and alcohol abuse, a lot of violence, um, uh, a lot of abuse, just really, really uh, bad situation. Uh, so we went into this neighborhood, and uh, what happened was there's a couple that just got a heart for this. And so they went in and they started a ministry here in this neighborhood, uh, here in the brickyard. And the adults in that neighborhood are predominantly alcohol and drug addicted, uh, and they uh, get money for those habits by stealing. And so they'll go into wealthier parts of Cochabamba, 
steal, uh, and then use that money to, to feed their habits. And so as a result of that, the kids are just left to themselves. It's Lord of the Flies, right? It's just they're left to themselves. Uh, the average age a child becomes sexually active in that neighborhood is between 8 and 10 years old. Um, you just see little girls carrying around babies. You think, oh, that's big sis. No, that is not. That is mom. Um, just a really heartbreaking situation. So this couple went in and uh, said, we want to do something about this. So they went in and they started a ministry. Every Saturday they just come in and they feed them a meal, usually something very simple, some kind of soup or something they can do inexpensively. Um, and they feed these kids and they teach them about Jesus. And they got over 100 kids that come in every Saturday. And the response has been unbelievable. So we did teaching at night. So everyone woke up about 4 o'clock in the morning uh, there. They go work all day, and then they show up to us about 7 o'clock that night, and we teach them for three hours. Then they go home, and they wake up the next morning at 4, work all day, do the whole thing all over again. So we did that about four weeks. And, um, and this couple that did this ministry came, and they were, they, they were there. And they brought three guys with them, three young men. I got a chance to spend some time with these young men, um, sort of older teenager, early 20s. It's just amazing. So this couple goes into this neighborhood. These boys were on the trajectory, right? They were on the path for everything else every adult in that neighborhood does. And they just started telling these guys about Jesus. And uh, these kids get saved, and they start growing in the Lord. This couple is discipling them. And these young men showed up every night to learn how to read and study the Bible better uh, because they want to then turn around and start a church in their neighborhood and see their neighborhood turn to faith in Christ. Uh, it's like, wow, it's amazing. And so uh, just seeing all of this was just phenomenal. Uh, my big takeaway from it all was um, a lot of times when we go on mission, we uh, think we're going to help them. Uh, but I showed up in Bolivia and realized, boy, there are a lot of Christians in Bolivia that are just getting it done. Uh, and uh, we got a lot to learn from them. But it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal trip. Uh, but I want you to hear real quick from um, Marie and John and Jen and hear their experience because you hear me talk too much. So uh, Marie, John, Jen, you guys come on up. Uh, give you guys a chance just to share um, a little bit of what the Lord uh, spoke to you and all of this. So come on down center stage and uh, share uh, what the Lord did for you in, in Bolivia. All right, good morning. Um, so uh, 31 years in the military, retired recently, and I've been going to church here for three years. So I've heard Brad talk about uh, numerous times how um, with the military, we've been on mission our whole career. And the idea here is to uh, encourage us and equip us to continue on mission, being that we are in a military town. And what more to do that than uh, be on mission for Christ? So, you know, make disciples or equip the saints. And in this case, um, more equipping of the saints. So Brad approached us with this opportunity, and not much prayer is involved in this because if, uh, if a man of God comes to you and says, hey, we want to do this, um, hey, that's the Lord's will, right? So um, kind of stepping out of our comfort zone, never been on a, an international missions trip before, and um, going to, to be able to teach and, pre, uh, teach and train up pastors. Uh, I'm not a pastor myself, so having to rely heavily on the Holy Spirit and, and, and to equip me through this, and he, and he did. Um, so the, really the success on this for me, the uh, encouragement for me of this whole trip was that God worked, used me and worked through me uh, to make this happen. And uh, going ahead, to going, we did get some training um, by Rich Culp, the, the person that kind of, uh, the, the drug dealer that asked us to go with, you know, for the first time free. But anyways, he, he did uh, train us up, not really train us, but gave us some resources to kind of study and learn up and get, and, and, and just as a template and do some other 
uh, type studying with that to put together our own classes. So we did that. And so it wasn't really going in completely blind. Um, and it was very structured, the whole thing. And he had this trip planned down to almost the hour. So we just had to show up and just be obedient and do and, and enjoy it. A lot of work. We had a lot of fun as well, as you can see by some of the pictures that we, we cut up a lot. We had a lot of fun, even though there was a big language barrier there. We just had that thing in common with we just loved Jesus. And, uh, and we all had that common goal. Um, and the Vargas family had hosted us. You know, other missionary teams came together for this from other areas. So we had the Vargas family that lives there that hosted us. They host the IBAC there as well and put it all together. Um, but they're actually from Argentina, so they're missionaries to Bolivia. Um, so the, they just welcomed us in. Language barrier, the only two that spoke English were the two sons, and they were our linguists. But the family di didn't know English. We didn't know Spanish, but we just, it's almost like we knew each other, you know, forever. Um, so got there, you know, and they, like I said, hosted us the whole week, didn't have to do anything. Um, second day, we were, I was asked to go out and uh, preach at a church, so I've never stood up in front of a congregation before and preached the word, um, but God equipped me and I did that, so, um, and that was a very enriching experience to be able to go and, and share the gospel and, and preach to a, a Bolivian church. And it was odd because, you know, a taxi rolled up and, hey, get in the taxi and go and didn't know where you're going. And then it looked like something out of a, a Jack Ryan movie or whatnot, you know, get out of the taxi and, and just they usher you in here and start start talking, you know. So um, and then that night, you know, getting together and playing volleyball. And if you never heard of volleyball, it's a volleyball mixed with uh, racquetball. So you're playing volleyball on a racquetball court and you can use the walls and the ceiling and everything else. And that was just awesome because and we didn't want to do it. So Brad and I, we played like eight games over and over again, and we just were like, okay, we'll just do one. You know, we don't want to be Scrooges. But we got in that, that, that bonding that happened with that as well, being able just to participate with them. Um, language barrier and all, just had a lot of fun. And that kind of set the tone for the whole week, kind of relaxed, and we're, all right, we're, we're part of this team. We're part of this culture now. And they had another missionary come from... Uh, um, Mexico. He's actually from Bolivia, but he is a, a, a missionary to Mexico, and he'll, he comes back every six months for this, this training where we train the, the pastors and elders. But he's actually used to work in a, in a cocaine plantation, so it was really unique getting to, get to know him as well. Um, and then just the kitchen work. So we're, I, something that was very encouraging for me, I didn't teach till towards the end of the week, but working in the kitchen with the ladies um, here and then with the, the, the Coach Obaman ladies, and just uh, putting together the meals for all, over these hundred people every night and serving them. And it was very humbling as well so and, and that, that they were able to see um, these, these Americans, these gringos, come and serve them, you know. So um, it, it was encouraging to those, those people as well that, that were coming in and doing this. And even if we wouldn't have with, you know, preached or taught, just us showing up and participating with them, that was very encouraging to them, and they even told us that. That, that people are taking notice of what they're doing. So it just, it was very um, encouraging to them. And they, they, like I said, they shared that with us, just our presence. And it's almost like we were celebrities over there. You know, that encouragement helped encourage us as well because they, they just want to take their pictures with us. And it was almost like we we're, you know, just from Hollywood or something. And, you know, kind of humbling as well. Um, try not to be prideful about that, but it encouraged us to keep wanting to do what we wanted to do. And I, I think that, that I, this is something that I would like to do over and over again. I didn't want to leave, and I, they'll say the same thing. Um, just bonded with the people, and it was very awesome. And then legalism. So individually, I got to uh, talk to some people um, when I wasn't teaching or I wasn't working in the kitchen, 
and they asked me questions, so they wanted to learn different things, but they're under the yoke of legalism there, too, just like we are here. They've been taught certain things that they need to check boxes or because they have tattoos or because they like to ride their bicycle too much that they may not be saved. So being able to work with them individually also to, you know, bring it, bring it down to like Christ alone, through grace alone, through faith alone. Um, and then, like I said, just the friendships that will last a lifetime. Looking forward to going back. And I, I encourage you, if you've never thought about going on a missions trip, you definitely need to do it. It puts it in the greater perspective and gets you out of your comfort zone and being able to see the kingdom of God at work. Okay, I definitely won't speak as long as he did. Um, <laughs> I'm just so overwhelmed by the blessing that it was to have gone. I went as more of a support that I thought was going to be in the background. Thought we were going to just stay in the kitchen and kind of do our own thing in there. Uh, but it was so much more than that. Just the interacting with the ladies in the kitchen, interacting with the preachers that were coming in to be taught. Uh, they wanted to greet us whenever they came in. They were very excited to see us. And we also got the opportunity to work with children in the church. And it was just an amazing experience. Um, my big takeaway is if the Lord says to you, go, go. Don't hesitate. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Just answer that call. You will be way more blessed than you think it, you will be. Um, that's all I have to say. Are you sure? Y'all want to guess where we got these dresses? We got these in Bolivia. I said, let's wear our Bolivia dresses when we're talking about Bolivia on Sunday. Um, but I had a thousand takeaways, but I only have two minutes to tell you about them. Um, right, Brad? Two? Okay, so... Um, I had a lot to overcome just to be able to go. That's the truth. I've got a senior in high school. I have one that's due, is we're right in the middle of ball season. Who's going to keep my kids for nine days? Who's crazy enough to keep my kids for nine days? That would be Brad's parents. There was a lot to overcome. Just 24 hours of travel. Um, I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I'll just drag my feet on the passport and I won't have to go. And I knew uh, after several months of that, that it was quickly becoming a point of just disobedience. The Lord had called me to go, and I needed to surrender to go. And once the surrender came, then all the fears came. Well, what happens when I'm on another continent and I'm away from my four kids? Completely helpless, completely trusting the Holy Spirit to go before us. So we were a little slap happy when we got into Bolivia. Now, mind you, I know zero Spanish. When John said that he had resources, it's probably because he studied his Spanish before. I knew Ola, that was it. And so we showed up at this brickyard. We had gotten off of a plane. We're tired, 24 hours of travel. We go into this brickyard. These children are coming up to you, and you, you're exhausted. You're slap happy, and you're saying, Ola, Ola, Ola. That's literally all I knew. I was like, Brad, what's, the, what's a word for, like, I love you? Something other than hello. So they said, well, we had um, a situation happen recently where a young boy was actually pushed in front of a bus. And he managed to survive, but he's very, very, very hurt. Um, would you like to go with us to take some gifts to this family, some food, uh, just to be a blessing to them? We were like, sure, let's go. So, like I said, we had been in the country of Bolivia three hours at that point. We go walking down this dirt, dusty road. We've got this food. You probably saw it in the picture. That's when we were handing it to the little boy. 
And uh, so we go back. And when I say squalor, they lived below squalor. It was the smell, the sight. It was a shock to your senses. It's what Brad said. There's Bolivia poor and then there's Coach, there's American poor. And this, not, I've never seen anything like this. So we walk in and there's a duck. I remember seeing that duck and I remember thinking, I don't think that's a pet. I think that's dinner. Like I think they're going to cook that duck. And so we go back through and we see the little boy and the mom is cooking up a stew and for him and they said well we would like to pray would you like to pray for him and I'm thinking okay Holy Spirit let's do this like I don't know any Spanish our interpreter trying to interpret I get down and just bless this young man with health and strength and that God would just continue to just heal him and um, it that was a defining moment for me because when we were on the way back, uh, they were like, the sun's getting dark, vamanos. And I had watched enough Dora the Explorer to know the vamanos meant, let's go. So vamanos, we were getting out of there. And they said, actually, this is a really dangerous part of Cochabamba. Um, children are trafficked up and down this, this street. And I knew then the power of God, the presence of God is stronger than fear. When when First John says that perfect love casts out fear, it's true. I live that um, because the love of God, the presence of God, was with us in such a dangerous place that you weren't even aware really that it was dangerous. You were just like, "Okay, God, you're here. Like you're here." Um, so fast forward uh, a week later, where the trip is coming to a close. It was our final service with the Cochabamba Church or the the, the institute. And we were singing a song in Spanish, and my tongue, just to be honest, it doesn't roll that fast. Like, I can't keep up with the lyrics. I don't know what we're singing. I, don't, I just know that everyone is just in the presence of God singing this Spanish song. And it was in that moment, I was like, I, this, okay, so we just sang that. One faith, one church, a foretaste of glory divine, like, this is what heaven's going to be like. Like, we're going to be worshiping. Jesus, we're singing to you, and you can interpret all of it. Like, you know what every heart is saying. You know. So in Revelation, it says that. Before the Lamb of God, we're going to be standing. He's going to be sitting on his throne. We're going to be standing. Every nation, every tribe, every language. And we're going to be singing one thing. Salvation belongs to our God. It's, it's going to be the most beautiful moment. And in that moment, I knew this is, this is what it's about. Like, I'm getting a foretaste of what heaven is when I'm with these Cochabamba believers. Um, it was just a beautiful time. Um, if you saw, so it's funny, as you always saw the look of um, the translators, that's the look they gave us all week. Um, because... I think John, I, I pick on John, we became just good buddies on this trip. He needed two interpreters. He needed one for his, Spanish, one for his English and another one for his English. So uh, we had a good time. But just working in the kitchen, being with those ladies, phenomenal. I mean, laughter is just like the universal language, for real. Like I knew, I, I went home with a, a nickname, Lo Siento, because that was the only phrase I knew. And so some of you people know your Spanish. I'm sorry. I apologized all week. Every time I would butcher the Spanish, I would say, I'm working in the cochina. <laughs> nope. I, I, don't, I don't think that's what that means. I, I'm working in the 
cocina, I'm working in the kitchen. And so cocina means kitchen, cochina means the smelly part of a pig. <laughs> right. So they pretty much laughed at me for nine days, but it was, I mean, that just broke. I really think that Jen and I had way more fun in the kitchen than the guys did preaching the word of God. Um, we, had, we had so much fun, but uh, just so many memories made, and like I said, just a lot to overcome to be able to go. God had all of that waiting on me, all of that waiting on me, all the overcoming, all the tired, all that I had to give up. It cost me something. That trip may have been free financially, but it cost it cost me something. It cost me giving up, laying down, saying yes, saying, God, I'll go. You've called me. I don't know what's waiting on me. I get off of a plane in Bolivia. I've got men coming up, taking my bags and speaking to me in Spanish. I don't have a clue what they're saying. I mean, I'm, when I say truly in the Lord's hands, you know, I'm getting texts from my children back home. It's like, I, there's nothing, like, I got nothing for it. Like, God's just going to have to take care of that. And actually, that in some ways, I guess that could seem a little scary, but the truth is that's the most freeing place to be because you know, God, you've like literally, he's got the whole world in his hands. And, um, and the bride of Christ, the bride of Christ is massive. We, he, he sees all of us, not just little English speaking Southview, like he sees the bride of Christ and she is beautiful and I can't wait, um, I can't wait to worship with her one day um, in its entirety. So that was, that was my big takeaway. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Hey, give them a hand. Have a seat, guys. And, and when we think about missions for us, uh, this is bigger than just this one particular trip to Bolivia for us as a church. We've got uh, quite a few trips planned uh, through the rest of the year. We've got a group going to Hungary. Uh, we've got a group going to Kenya. Uh, we've got a group of our high schoolers going to uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, we've got a group of our middle schoolers going to a very distant and foreign land called Red Springs. Um, and so we've got all these groups going out, and I look forward to um, uh, you hearing from them as they come back as well. But but I wanted to take some time just to um, let this sort of set a stage and uh, um, encourage you uh, uh, and, and push you towards what Christ is pushing you towards. Um, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, verse 18. So... We've just come off of Easter last weekend, and so as you read the Bible story, you've got Jesus, he was crucified, he was buried, he rose again. Then after he rose from the grave, he spent 40 days with his disciples, teaching them, continuing to equip them, continuing to prepare them to be his followers once he leaves and advance his message and build his church. And as he goes through all that, he leaves his final marching orders for them. Right? The, the last words he has for his followers here on earth. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. 
that passage of Scripture there, that, that, those final words of Jesus, this what we call the great commission, this great um, uh, sending out, the great orders that Jesus gives us his church, that command right there is a hinge for the entire Bible. As that command is given, the Bible switches gears, and now it's about pushing forward the message. So the entire rest of the Bible from that point on uh, is about seeing this message go out and the church being built up. Uh, second, it's a hinge for church history. As that command is given, everything in the, in, in, the, in the world, human history, changes. At this point, 120 people are, are huddled together in an upper room when Jesus gives this command and they're filled with the Spirit of God sent out on mission for him. 120 people. 2,000 years later, roughly 2 billion People on planet earth today profess to be followers of Jesus Christ. And every single day, 90,000 new people come to faith in Jesus. Every day, 90,000 new people come to faith in Christ. And they do so because someone in their life was obedient to Matthew chapter 28. This is the command of Jesus that we would go. And I want us to focus in on just that right there. Go. Go and make disciples of all nations. Every one of them. Go. So here's my question for us. As followers of Jesus, many of us would say, yes, that is the command of Jesus. And yes, that's what he calls us to do. And yes, I believe that. And yes, and amen. And we love hearing stories and seeing pictures. and go, Yeah. But my question for you is this. Do you actually obey him? Not us as a church, generally speaking, do we have people in our church that go out? I mean you. At you. Have you obeyed the final command of Jesus to go? Have you done that? You know, I th- when I think about the church in America, I've used this illustration with you before. The thought that comes to my mind is if you have kids... Imagine that you're leaving out in the morning, your kids are home from school, and they're at the house, and as you leave, you leave a note for your kids and leave it there on the kitchen counter. You say, hey, before I get home, clean your room, all right? You just leave it there, and you go. And you come home at the end of the work, right? You walk in, like, hey, guys, uh, so uh, did you clean your room? And your kids gather around, you're like, oh, well, I'm so glad you're home. We've got so much to tell you. Like, wow, okay. You, we saw the note where you left us, you told us to clean our room, and we got really excited about that. Like, wow, okay. So you clean your rooms. Well, well, what we did, we got together as a group, and we studied the notes. And we really dug down deep into what you meant when you said clean your room. And one of, one, of, one of the kids said, hey, I think we got to clean the kitchen too. And another one of your kids popped up and said, no, you're reading into the text. It does not say that. Right? Now, we threw it up on PowerPoint. We broke it down. Right? Clean is the command. It's the verb. Right? Room, that's the object. Your possessive pronoun. Clean your room. Not the kitchen, not your sibling's room. Your room, the space in which you sleep. Like, okay, wow, that seems excessive, but you got it figured out. Okay, great. So then you clean your room. Then we made t-shirts that said, clean your room. 
And we went out into our neighborhood telling everybody about the fact that you told us to clean our room because we couldn't. We were so excited that you told us to do that. Like, wow, great. So, so then you clean your room. Okay, then we wrote songs dedicated to you and this fact that you told us to clean our rooms. And we got together and we started singing. And Dad, I want you to know, I, got, I started crying. Like, it was, it was emotional. Like, I, I was really touched. When I started singing about the fact that you told me to clean my room, it was as if you were right there with me. Wow. So, so then you clean your room. No, actually, we ran out of time, and you just came home. We haven't actually cleaned our rooms yet. So question, did your kids ever obey you? No. It doesn't matter how excited they were about it. It doesn't matter how much they agreed with it. It doesn't matter how much they believed it. It doesn't matter how pumped they were. It doesn't matter how many t-shirts they bought. It doesn't matter how many YouTube clips they pulled up of other people cleaning their rooms. They never actually obeyed you. And brothers and sisters, I want you to know I love you with all of my heart. And because I love you, I'm going to be very honest with you. That's the vast majority of us in this room right now. You would very quickly stand and say, yes, that is absolutely what Jesus told us to do. And you have never actually done it. You know the verses. You've taken the Bible studies. You have the t-shirts. You've sung the songs. But you've never actually done it. And when you stand before Christ, He's not going to ask about your t-shirt collection. He's going to ask you if you actually obeyed the very last thing he told you to do. To go. Have you? Have you obeyed him? And when, when, I, when I say this, I'm usually met with some pushbacks. All right? Some, some, some very common I hear what you're saying, Pastor, but. So let's talk about those for a quick second. Um, one that I get frequently uh, is, okay, I hear what you're saying, and yes, it's important, absolutely. But we got a lot of needs right here. We got a lot of people that need Jesus right here. And I can be obedient to the Great Commission in my neighborhood with my neighbor. Right, I, I can do that right here, right now. I don't, I don't need to go out. And to that, yes, that is accurate in that we have a lot of need right here. And that you have a lot of people to tell Jesus about right here. And that God has placed you in your neighborhood to be a missionary right here. Yes. And there are a couple of things you're going to have to figure out. Number one is this. You're going to have to figure out what you do with the fact that Jesus Christ commanded you to do it. So, a couple of verses. Um, it, it starts all the way back in the book of Genesis. When God comes to a man named Abram and says, Hey, through you I'm going to bring a seed that's going to bring salvation. And in that promise, look at what he says in Genesis 12, 3. In all of this... 
In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. From the very beginning, there was a nation's view. The world was going to receive this message. Jesus goes on. Mark chapter 16, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Luke chapter 24, repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in Jesus' name to all nations. And then Acts 1.8, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What you see in that commander of Jesus in Acts 1.8 is all of it from neighborhood to nations. Yes, you can do it all just because it's a false dichotomy, right? You don't have to pick one or the other. In fact, it's a very clear command of Jesus that you don't pick one over the other. That you do both. Jerusalem, where they currently were residing. And Judea, the larger area. Samaria, the place next to them. All the way out to the ends of the earth. That you would do all of it. Do it all. Not just here and not just there. But do everything. And I would submit that If you focus, if we as a church focus, if you as an individual focus on the nations, it makes you better ministers here. Uh, C.T. Studd, who is a British theologian, said, The candle that shines the farthest burns the brightest at home. Think about that, that, that quote. The candle that shines the farthest burns the brightest at home. Think about a really bright light. Think about a a lighthouse, a powerful lighthouse. It shines out miles and miles and miles into the sea. The closer you get to that lighthouse, the, the stronger and stronger and brighter and brighter and more intense that light gets to the point where you get up to it and it's blinding. The fact that it shines far also means that the closer you get to it, it shines really, really, really bright at home. I believe if we as a congregation, I believe if you as an individual set your heart to the nations, he'll make you a better missionary in your neighborhood. If you set your hearts to the nations, he'll make you a better missionary in your school. You set your heart to the nations, he'll make you a better missionary in your place of work. You don't do one or the other. We do both. Another common pushback that I hear from people is, um, and and you heard Marie allude to this a a moment ago, I can't do that. John talked about that. I can't do that. Like That's not my skill set. I don't feel qualified for that. I'm afraid. I don't have the finances for it. I got so many things going on here. What about my family? What about school? I just, I can't do it. Maybe there'll be another time. Maybe there'll be another day. But I just don't think I can pull that off right now. That's not what God is telling me to do. That might be for you to do, and that's great. But I don't think I can pull that off. I got too many things, too many difficulties, too many problems, too many strikes against me in the I just can't pull that off. I just don't think I can. To that, I would encourage you to go back to Matthew chapter 28. Let's look at this. Look at verse 18 again. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples. 
the command for you to go is based in the authority and power of Jesus Christ, the sovereign rule of Jesus. Jesus says, I am in sovereign, perfect control of everyone and everything, all your circumstances, all your problems, all your ifs and your buts and all the things that you think stop you from obeying me. I am sovereignly in control of all of that. And because I'm in control of all things, trust me and go. It does not say, it does not say, you know what? You're awesome and you'd be great at this. Therefore, I want you to go. It doesn't say, you have no fears or hesitations about this at all. Therefore, I want you to go. You know what? Everything in your family is going amazing right now. There is nothing that would call for your attention here. So therefore, I want you to go. Financially, you're doing so great, you could write a check for this and not even miss it. Therefore, I want you to go. Right? He doesn't say any of those. None of those things are the foundation for the command. Nothing about your circumstances, nothing about you, nothing about your personality, and nothing about your skill set and ability is the foundation for that command. What is the foundation? Jesus' own authority. And then it ends in verse 20 with this sentence. I love this. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's driven by the power and authority of Jesus and the presence of Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm going with you. I'm going with you. I'm never going to leave you and I'm never going to forsake you. I'm going to be with you always. That word always is really cool. It means the little things and the big things. Right? The tiny little things of just getting it all together and the big things when you get there and you go, oh my goodness, this is, this is serious. He's with you always. And I love the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew begins and ends with the presence of God in Jesus Christ. Matthew begins with Jesus being born as Emmanuel, God with us. And it ends with Jesus before he ascends up into heaven saying, I'm going to be with you always. It's about the presence of God and Jesus Christ in your life from beginning to end the gospel of Matthew. And because he's with you, because he's in control of all things, because he's sovereign, because he's ruler, and because he has said, you can trust me, I'm going with you. Why don't you go? Why don't you go? Um, so what do we do here? How do we, how do we go about this? I want to I give you some thoughts. How do we fulfill the Great Commission? So there are three things I want you to think through, but I'm going to focus on the third again for today. There are three things you can do in seeing the Great Commission be fulfilled. You can pray, you can give, and you can go. Right? All three are significant. All three are important. We, you can pray, and I encourage you to be a person of much prayer. I encourage you, Google search unreached people groups. Thousands are going to pop up. Pick one and just pray for them every day. Pray that God brings them the gospel. Pray that God sends them a missionary. Pray that God raises someone up from inside their own people group to know Jesus and love Jesus and tell their friends and family about Jesus. Pray. Give. Help support missions. You can do that by giving through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering or the Annie Armstrong Easter offering or just giving to Southview Missions, and that's money used for people from our church who go. You can give. 
But I want to focus just for a quick second on the go because we talk about praying, we talk about giving a lot. And, and my concern is this. For sure, listen to me very carefully. There are people in this room that have absolute, obvious reasons you can't get on a plane and fly somewhere, right? It's just, you can't. And I understand that. And you having that um, um, hindrance to be able to do that does not mean that you are disobeying God. It doesn't mean that God is disappointed in you. It doesn't mean any of those things, okay? You, you, are, you are doing what God has empowered you and allowed you to do, okay? So that happens. But I, I need you to listen to me very carefully. Here's why I want to focus on this third one for today. My concern is this, though. I think the number of people who legitimately can't go, I think that number is much, much smaller than we want to think it is. I think almost all of us can. You can. It might be a different kind of trip. There may be some that don't line up and you can't do, but you can do this one. You can go. You can go. And I want to ask you, why haven't you? Why haven't you? I want to give you some time here this morning just to set before the Lord. Maybe today you need to take some time and you need to confess and repent of the fact that you have not been obedient to a clear, unadulterated, obvious command of God. You just haven't been obedient to that. And that's okay. There, there are things we all haven't been obedient to. But do you recognize that? Do you see that? And are you willing to confess and repent of that? Secondly, I want to encourage you today, set before the Lord here right now and say, Jesus, I want to go. Show me the right trips. Show me the right situation. I'm taking steps towards it. I want to go. I believe you're going to go before me. I trust you for this, God. Here I am, send me. Go. Don't wait. Go. I want to encourage you to bow your heads for me. And again, as we wrap up our time here this morning, are you being obedient to his call? Jesus, I ask you that you would do this in us. I ask you, Jesus, that you would show us if we really can go and we're just haven't. For those in the room that legitimately can't, I pray, God, that you would bring much encouragement and, and settling in their heart for that, God. They'll trust you for that, and they'll be faithful prayer warriors holding the line in prayer so that others can go. But I pray, God, for the many in this room that can and just have not. God, I want to encourage them today. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do this. Draw their hearts to a deep love for you. And seeing your gospel go to the ends of the earth. Do this, Jesus, in us for your glory. In your name, Jesus. Amen.
pray that you would remind us that we were once far from you, but for the personhood of Christ, your work on the cross, your grace, your payment for our sins saved us. God, allow us to remember that we were once like the world, lost and forgotten in our own sin, dead in our trespasses, haters of God, and you have awakened us to these truths. So send us, Lord, bind us together as a people that our one top priority would be to glorify you. And one of the main things we can do is to tell others about you. So God, have your way in this body of believers. Turn our hearts closer to you. God, we love you. We thank you for this time together. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.